This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. You can't say things that rhyme with grape. It's stupid. Like we're we're adults, but we're on a platform that you know we don't control. So yeah, whatever. and I am a freedom of speech absolutist. I want to be able to say those words. I'd love to utter a whole list of words right now that wouldn't get you demonetized. <laughs> I think life is more fun that way. You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Come On Man and another year. If you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe, hit those notifications already. Did you guys hear that? That was my dog over here. You're supposed to be a professional podcaster. Guys, sound off in the comments. Sound off in the comments. Did you hear my dog just now shaking her collar? I, I hate when she does that. Um, guys, you can send super chats to these, but I just can't share them on the screen because it's pre-recorded. But if you do send them, I see them on the back end. I'll screenshot it. I'll share it on social media. You see me do it all the time. Follow me on social media, guys. The links are in the description. Get on the email list, list.comeonmanpod.com. I'll send you some free stickers. You get 20 dating app openers, and you also get a free chapter of my book, Everything I Wish I Knew When I Was 18. That's the chapter on the four ways to meet women. So check that out. Speaking of the book, you go to books.comeonmanpod.com. That'll take you to my author's page on Amazon. And there you can buy either the Kindle edition, the paperback, the hardcover, the special edition with explosions, exploding explosions and hues. Or you can get the Audible edition read by my good friend, R.P. Thor. Um, so get all those and uh and learn learn a thing or two, okay? It's not just on how to get the whammon. It's also how to be rich, all right? Guys, check out my Practical Law of Attraction course, loa.comeonmanpod.com. It's a mindset course. Once you get your mind right, everything else falls into place. Join the beer club, guys. Guys, uh, I think, so this is, uh, this is the first, literally this Sunday. This Sunday, at the time of this episode drops, Eric Everhard, legendary porn star, Eric Everhard. Before Sterling Cooper, there was Eric Everhard, okay? He's giving a free lecture to the beer club. So all you have to do is join now. It's 10 bucks a month. You can join with a free trial even. Show up on Sunday, get the free lecture from Eric Everhard himself. You can actually ask him questions and, you know, it's going to be a regular Zoom call. So uh, we're hoping to get a good turnout for that. So check that out. Beer club .com on uh, beer.comeonmanpod.com. It's 10 bucks a month. And then we also have regular meetups every month. And finally, coaching's available at gumroad.comeonmanpod.com. All right. Joining me on the podcast today is my man. Uh, his podcast is called Copy Who. His name is Paul Sorini. He's, uh, he's a little bit of an interesting cat. You know, his, his podcast is sort of a little bit about everything, but it's very entertaining, very funny. And uh, I mean, one of the things I like about this guy is he was one of the few people to drive all the way out to Las Vegas to watch the live filming of Fall Fight Club, right? Now, allegedly, 
Fall Fight Club should be out now. Okay. Now that's assuming Glenn Lawrence made good on his promise. We'll see. We'll see about that. I'm still recording this. Not sure what's going on with that. But uh, I'll tell you what, guys. If Glenn Lawrence hasn't released that video by now, then this week uh, I'm going to cut a promo on his candy ass and I'm going to let the bags out. I'm going to let everyone know how that 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 went down. Okay. I'm going to let everyone know. And I'm probably going to refund everybody that uh, that that did paid for, you know, prepaid for the pay-per-view because it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair that they paid for something and they never got it. Right. So if Glenn hasn't released that, you know, Glenn's got, gone through a lot of stuff. He's put that out on his podcast. If he hasn't finished it by now, uh, expect a refund this week and expect a, me to cut a seething promo on that dude's candy ass. But anyway, back to Paul. So Paul Serini, uh, the host of Copy Who podcast, went all the way to Vegas, got to meet him in person. I was like, you know what? Let me get this guy on my podcast. So I'm going to bring you that conversation right after these words. Life is a journey filled with twists and turns. Why is it that essential life lessons aren't taught in school? You probably know that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, but do you know how to invest in a Roth IRA? We're not taught to build ourselves mentally, physically, and spiritually. The roadmap to success is more than just a college degree. You don't have to follow the traditional route. Success isn't confined to a classroom. It's about discovering your own path. You ever wish that someone handed you a guidebook to life when you were 18? Well, it's never too late to rewrite your story. Everything I wish I knew when I was 18. Advice for young men to create a great life for themselves. This book is your compass, guiding you to pick the right career, how to invest wisely, and how to prepare for a fulfilling future, to take control of your health and your fitness, learn how to date efficiently and find genuine desire, and master the art of leading healthy relationships. Your path is defined by the choices you make, not by others' expectations. Don't wait until you're 35 to unlock your potential. Order your copy now on Amazon. Rewrite your story. Build the life you deserve. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. All right, joining me on the podcast today is an interesting cat. His name is Paul Suarini. Did I pronounce that right? Suarini? Suarini? No, yeah. no, it's Serini. Serini, way yeah. off. Paul Serini, the host of Copy Who podcast on YouTube. He's a sharp blast of truth. He grifts like Godzilla and everything and deals in rational extremes. He's also a self-proclaimed Kaba Slooty Sloot. Yeah. What's going on, Paul? Not much. How are you doing today? I am, I'm doing pretty good. I cannot complain. I've been looking forward to this, um, not knowing exactly what's in store, what you might ask me or, or I'm, I'm of full stuff. of, I'm full of gotchas, you know, uh, I'm just trying to, I try to catch you in, in lies, you know, it's like huh. a regular CNN interview, you know, where it's like, okay, let's see where we can get this guy. Let's see where we can get this guy in trouble. That's what, that's what yeah. I'm all about. 
I'm an open book and I don't anticipate you'll catch me in anything scandalous or embarrassing. Well, that remains to be seen. <laughs> you be the judge then. Yeah, I'm I'm actually just messing around. I actually never do that to people. I'm a, I'm a pretty cordial host, I like to think. Yeah. So. I'd be surprised if I were your first because I haven't seen you throwing anyone under the bus. Yeah, I just don't do that. Even if, uh, and I like to occasionally have people on that I disagree with. And I, you know, I'm not about even bringing them on for debate. I just want to hear mm. what their point of view is, you know, because I, I'm one of those people that likes to think that uh, it's okay that people don't agree on everything and, and we can still get along. You know, that so. would be so good for American society if we just stopped arguing about dumb shit. I don't need someone to agree with every one of my ideas ideologically in order to be their friend. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I, exactly. I, 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 uh, we're on the same page there. So let's start off by telling everyone about you, your podcast, right. and, and what it's all about. Well, um, I guess it's mainly an entertainment podcast. I like to be silly, and I've, I have a lot of influences in my past. One of them is Howard Stern. It's kind of embarrassing how much he has influenced me in my life. And another one is Alex Jones. I don't shy away from saying my kind of bombastic entertainment style takes a lot from those two guys. And and I love entertaining. I, I guess it's great to make people laugh, but I also try to use humor as a means to make people think a little bit with mixed results, you know. <laughs> Uh huh. Uh, talk about Howard Stern. I used to listen to him in the in the mornings yeah. a lot, and right. I learned actually learned a lot just about broadcasting just by listening to his show. In fact, I learned the concept of dead air from huh. Howard Stern about how uh, if if you if you've got an audio podcast, you don't want to have long pauses where you're not yeah. talking because people if they're driving in their car, they're like, oh, did the radio cut out or whatever? Yeah. So you so I start you, to feel nervous when um when there's an empty space, all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I got to fill this up with something. And, and, but it's true. I, I hear those guys, if they go a moment and they don't say anything, I'm like, like you said, did I lose the connection here? What's going mm -hmm. on? Yeah. So I try to be mindful of that with my podcast because even though it's on YouTube, I also have it on Spotify and Apple. Mm -hmm. And so there are audio listeners. So if, if I'm ever taking the time, like, let's say I have to look up something in a book and I, I grab it real quick and I want to flip through some pages, I just start vamping about nonsense just to fill the air yeah. with words because I, 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 out of respect out of the audio listeners. So learn that from Howard Stern. Well, I love that, though, because I love live TV, live radio, because anything can happen at a given moment, even when there's a technical difficulty. I get a thrill out of it seeing people crash and burn sometimes and it happens to me it happens to everyone but it's it and say anything you know um i i have always had a big problem in my life with putting my foot in my mouth at the wrong time and i realized when i go older got older like oh that's just my destiny to say <laughs> stupid stuff and have people be offended by it yeah you know, there's something to be said about that too um a lot of guys are afraid of saying the wrong thing at mm -hmm. any given moment so they'll err on the side of not saying anything and and sometimes uh sometimes that's, that's not good you know and, and i talk a lot about you know dating and relationships on this podcast it 
if you are too afraid to say anything so you won't go up and talk to a girl, yeah, that's a problem, you know? So it actually, it, it behooves you to just walk up and just blurt something out. You know, it actually does. <laughs> and if you get them to laugh, whether you're nagging them or whatever, I always think if you get them to giggle, that's a win. Because you can see when it's a real, I've amused this woman, she likes it, keep going with that. And it, I see mannerisms on women too, when it's like, I can clearly tell she's not into that guy and he's oblivious and wants to keep it going. And you, we, you just learn to pick up on things uh, the older you get. If you if you really want to be open-minded, you notice those things. Oh, she's not into me. I can tell from the tone of her voice, the way her eye contact changes. Is she touching me, my shoulder or something? There are a lot of indicators of interest, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. Yeah. If she's trying to like turning her body away, like she's trying to escape, that's a bad yeah. sign. <laughs> that's a bad sign. It's time to cut your losses, you know? So of, of all the shows I watch, I just want to say like, you are really good at this podcasting thing. How long have you been doing this show? Um, This thing called copy who I've only been doing for about a year, but it's not been my first rodeo. And in, in the past, um, like 15 years ago, I in 2005, I started a podcast called Barefoot Radio, which did pick up a following on iTunes because I sent a huge bouquet of flowers to iTunes to get their attention. So they started featuring me. And then subsequently, I started another show at the time called Marijuana Radio, which wound up becoming a heck of a lot more popular. And I I did that out of a studio space I built in downtown Denver uh, and uh, the marijuana radio broadcast I did for about three years until I hung it up. And I actually hung it up when I had a lot of uh, followers and a listener base and stuff. And But it was good that I left it because it helped me uh, discover that I can sober up in my life. I didn't want my whole life to revolve around getting messed up or being a slave to a, a chemical or something, you know? And I had a daughter who was born in 2009. So I'm just like, okay, I don't want to be this stoned guy all the time. Although I admit, I'm not saying I'm perfectly sober. Sometimes marijuana is still a visitor in my life. If you know what I mean? <laughs> well, okay. Well, that's, that's a, a, a good question. Then. So it sounds like you stopped doing the marijuana show because you yeah. didn't want it to be front and center in your life. Why do you yeah. stop the other show? Uh, the other one, it, it, it like had people following it. But when you say barefoot radio, people are like, okay, what's that? When you said, when I would say marijuana radio, people will be like, oh, right. Yeah, man. You know exactly you get, like, what reaction from people immediately. And that, and that was like a no brainer. Like you go where the, the people respond to it. And I was looking for a niche and it just happened to be compatible with my views on personal liberty that people should be able to smoke marijuana, grow marijuana, grow it and sell it uh, with no restrictions. I'm extremely liberal in that way just because I think the law against marijuana harms more people than actually marijuana harms itself. Got it. Okay. It, and so you stopped the, the barefoot one because... People did because I started marijuana radio and that was much more uh, important okay. to spend my time on that. Was the barefoot radio a foot fetish? What was that about? Like, <laughs> uh -huh. no, I just felt like it was a cool name. And early on, I was struggling really hard to come up with any name because I knew at the time that I wanted to record 
it was the mp3 show before that because i was like i didn't have a name and barely anyone at the time when i started barefoot radio was doing an online show now everybody in their dog and has a show that they're doing and it's so commonplace that it's it's almost impossible it feels like to stand out mm-hmm. and there was never um it was never filmed like uh like i'm doing now what i've incorporated now is i want to film it i wanted to have a visual look if you know what I mean. Yeah. I think it's part of like dressing up and looking nice when you go out. I want to present, I want a nice presentation. To be honest yeah, with you. that makes sense. I mean, so what kind of topics did you talk about on that show or was it a music show? I, it was anything I ever wanted. So I had a lot of good music we would spin. I had access to a lot of good groups at the time. One of them is Cottonmouth Kings. I don't know if you ever heard about them, but they were, um, of significance on MTV for a good while there. And they also have a lot of other artists under their roster. So rap and hip hop, all these things went along really well with the idea of marijuana as a niche market. And, and it wound up building a substantial following at the time. And one that I have not achieved since then, I recall being um, in, uh, in the iTunes rankings at the time, they had this comedy section and I was in the top 15 with Marijuana Radio in good company with people like Joe Rogan and Adam Carolla, which so it sounds silly to brag about it now because I can't after all these years rest on my laurels, but I still look back and kind of go, wow, I was actually in the vicinity of those guys in this major directory. And so I am proud of that, to be honest with you. It makes me really happy that that was my life and my story at the time. I'm proud of my work. I did back then with that stuff too if i weren't married i might have been able to meet a lot of women at the time too capitalized (laughs) on that damn it damn it being married such a cock block isn't it you know what i mean yeah (laughs) so how so what's the name uh copy who where'd you get that and what's that oh meaning behind that essentially you know there are a lot of people like i was saying who have influenced in me life it spans the gamut like johnny carson old tonight show david letterman and so uh, um, also Conan O'Brien, there, there's another podcast I could mention online and say, go look at what he's doing. And, and a lot of people have noticed and they're like, oh, it's exactly like him and you're copying him. And so I just have a habit of if anyone else is doing anything that I think I can incorporate into what I'm doing, then I take it. I copy them. And I, I encourage people to do that with me, too. Like if you see something I'm doing that will uh, cause you to better that which you're doing, you should take it, take it and run with it. What do they say? Like smart people create, but even smarter people steal or something like that. (laughs) I like to think that I do both. I would be lying if I said I like my influence isn't um, visible all over everything I'm doing all the time. Even people tell me your delivery is a little like Howard Stern. And I'm like, okay, I guess that makes sense. I, I, I listened to him so much for so many years. It was ridiculous. The manner, I can't understate how he's influenced my life. Like my dad has influenced my life and Howard Stern is up there with the way I just got inspired and wanted to pursue life. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about your set a little bit here. Sure. Um, it's outstanding, man. Like where do you get huh. all the, the the background lights and all that kind of stuff? Oh, I just over the course of the year, you can see on my YouTube channel how much it's changed, how much I've just added 
And so over the course of the year, I've been buying lights for accent lighting and and one TV at a time, either used on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or whatever. I've just filled up this room with TVs now. And I like the TV format because I can basically design anything I can imagine on it and just play it and have it sitting beside me instead of like hanging a guitar on the wall, which I used to have before this and stuff like that. And Got so I, TVs, TVs are the centerpiece of the decoration style, I guess you could say here. I didn't even realize it until you started talking about it. But yeah, there is basically just all TVs. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And uh, one of them over here, I have a section of my show that I I stole from someone, literally stole the shit out of it from someone. And uh, I put my TV on a, a rise motor. So I play music and the TV goes up and I flash the lights and and I make a big deal out of it. And <laughs> it's it's corny, but it's like, OK, whatever. I'm just doing stuff for fun here. Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be entertaining and spontaneous. Got so. it. OK. Um so I was going to ask, like, it must have cost a fortune, but it sounds like you just you bought it little by little over time. So it yeah. wasn't too bad. Um, and even the microphone I'm talking to you now, I used to use this microphone with the podcast I was doing 10 or 15 years ago. So some of these expenses I didn't re-incur. I just have I have a ridiculous amount of gear inside a room down in my basement, video mixers and all these things. And it's like um, it's all just sitting there. So I'm always thinking what the hell can I set up in my house additional with all this gear I have? Uh, and um, when I smoke the marijuana, sometimes it it all of a sudden makes my head creatively shoot out a, or my brain shoot out of my head like a cannon. I'm all of a sudden motivated to stay up late in the evening and do all these creative things that I might have just been thinking about lazily on the couch before. Because sometimes I'm, uh, what is it, slovenly? Is that the word when you're just like, like when I'm burned out, I sit on the couch and I daydream about what I want to do. And then sometimes when I smoke pot, all of a sudden I'm up and doing it obsessively. Mm. I, I have to describe what I do as an obsession because I I can't seem to stop. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I'll improve it, but it's like I, I think about building another studio in my garage over here because the room is bigger. And I think, oh, I think I can do something more spectacular out of there. So that's what's on my mind for the future in a year or two or something is like building into a bigger room in my house. Okay. No, that actually, that, it's good to have uh, goals, you know, like that. I think uh, let's change, let's switch gears here a little bit. Sure. Let's talk about how you're a Kava slooty sloot. <laughs> what does so, that even mean? Well, so, it, well, you can't say, you can't say the, the S L U T word. on. Oh, on, is on that true? You can't say that. Because I think you can after word. after the eight minute mark, but stuff like that and like the the hue the hue word, you know what I mean? Like H O E can't like that. Oh, that, yeah. gets, that gets me demonetized. Um, you can't say you can say things that rhyme with you can't say things that rhyme with grape. You know what I mean? Like you can't. Yeah. It's stupid. Like we're we're adults, but uh, you're on a we're on a platform that, you know, we don't control. So yeah. Whatever. And but, I am a freedom of speech. Absolutist. The, I want to be able to say those words. I'd love to utter a whole list of words right now that wouldn't get you demonetized. <laughs> I think life is more fun that way. Being able yeah. to express ourselves with the full breadth of the language. I want, uh, 
I want to say these nasty words, but I, out of respect for you, I won't. I appreciate it. Yeah. And it's so sad too, because on YouTube, you can set your, your videos and channel to 18 plus. So I don't know what the big deal is, yeah. but whatever. They're a bunch of babies. I there. just think they're trying to slowly, um, um, what is it like the, the progression of life is to little by little, just make it more and more the norm to take away more freedom, more liberty, more normal expression and get people used to that. That's the way things are. Like we're heading down a path towards social credit scores, which actually makes me very nervous. Oh yeah. It's, it's very Orwellian, you know, big time. Like, yeah. It's, it's kind of scary. Um, so for people that don't know, what is Kava? Kava is some kind of plant root that people are making into a tea drink because uh, it's supposed to be like nature's, um, uh, what do you call it? Emotional, chemical, the, the, the verbiage is not coming to me now. Like there's a certain people, it's not, it's what is a, an emotional medicine that people take, a prescription that people like take? A, like, like a psychedelic? Starts with a P. Or... It starts oh. with a P. Like a lot of people take uh, an emotional booster, whatever you call it, that starts with a P, and that's what this is likened to, this kava stuff. It tastes like dirt, and so these people have this expression, get muddy, and so when you drink it, you do get this kind of lighthearted, floaty feeling, which is kind of nice, and um, nowhere near what you get like when you do something like marijuana or something, but I've acquired a taste for this stuff. It makes your tongue numb. And it's a great social environment. These kava bars that are popping up around town have a little community and it's a great way to get familiar with new people. You know, I like it better than dating apps I've found the last six months or something because it's a very social environment, traditionally social too, because I'm personally fed up with the way that technology depersonalizes our lives. And so I go hang out at the Kava Bar. It's like a philosophical environment, kind of. People, I've had a lot of great deep discussions with all kinds of people from all different walks of life over there. And I enjoy that a lot, including penis size <laughs> with women. Yeah. And bring that up and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. What are the, what are the, what are the women at the Kava Bars have to say about penis size? Well, I swear I got a, uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but whatever. Uh, like, a woman was talking about penis size and I seriously, I could be wrong, but I took it to mean something kind of like, well, if you are big enough, then you should try. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was getting a signal kind of like, yeah, that would be cool. Uh, Cause she was talking about how she was with a man who had like a pinky size uh, endowment. And, and so I just kind of thought, yeah, you're kind of telling me in this roundabout way that that's the that's the deal maker right there is what i thought um because she's a beautiful woman and everything and intelligent and all that but it was kind of like this is the deal i'm subtly bringing up penis size and so if women yeah. are talking about it they're thinking about it for sure yeah. hell did yeah you, did you uh did you tell her that even the grand canyon um looks looks uh Grand Canyon looks like, or was that 747 looks, looks uh, small when it's trying to land in the Grand Canyon? You ever? Yeah. Well, shrinkage was definitely <laughs> part of the conversation. When I'm cold, my, my junk gets uh, like frighteningly small looking too, but I think that's the natural state and you don't have the blood flow. Nobody likes that flaccid shit. You know what I mean? Like nobody no. does. Yeah. Nobody wants to look at that. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs>
so so how, how did you get into kava like what what who first introduced oh, it to you well interestingly my dad my dad owns a retail property and that's what i do for my main income is i help him manage his um his commercial properties and his estate and stuff and so we had this potential tenant come look at a space to rent out to put a kava bar in it and so we did all this research include including going to see their other locations far up north in fort collins and stuff and discovered that we really liked the idea for what it is it's not a starbucks it's not an alcohol bar you find a lot of people going to kava bars who are former drug addicts and it um, winds up fulfilling the need of socializing that a lot of people who have drug problems really need it's a connection problem people have a lot of times when they're when they're um screwed up all the time what they need is people connection and so anyway we wound up renting a space over there for this guy to build a kava bar out in and i wound up hanging out there a lot because it's kind of like a piazza a lot of the same faces and people congregate there and then that that's also something that facilitates relationship building with people is repeat exposure and so that's really what i like about it is the kava bar is a very social place so you if you drink it you're not going to find like oh i'm wasted or something but you uh, i guess it does something to lower your inhibition to some extent where it makes socializing easy for you if you like to talk and you drink kava you're going to find it's facilitated by the environment and drinking the tea mm. yeah i've i've had it before i've never been to a kava bar but the first time i heard of it was uh, i saw an ad i think on youtube for hmm. a powder a powder drink that was like fruity it wasn't like a tea it was like a almost like a uh i don't know like a crystal light type package right and you mix it with water and they're they were marketing it as an alternative to like a glass of wine yeah they, they were I, saying i know they, a woman who started drinking kava because she wants to kind of put alcohol on the back burner and so a lot of people who drink alcohol and don't want to find their way to kava and all of a sudden they're not getting drunk but they're enjoying something kind of similar yeah yeah and so what i i so i i went on amazon that you can buy it on amazon it's expensive as hell though the pow, the, the powder packets mm. and i bought if you're some, buying it pre-flavored and stuff probably so i think you can buy it in bulk and learn how to make it from scratch and save a lot of money but if you're mm -hmm. buying pre-made stuff that's like pour it in a cup and it already has yeah. sugar and stuff, that's going to definitely cost more. Yeah, it, it was pricey. And then and I bought I bought Kava tea uh, from Walmart, which was wasn't pricey, but I, I, I couldn't feel anything, you know, but the this powder stuff felt pretty good. It, it, it really just like I just noticed like a real chill, relaxing yeah. feeling. And then it doesn't give you it doesn't make you lose all your faculties yeah like you're not inebriated alcohol. it's a very lucid feeling that you're experiencing and i just think it does lower inhibitions without getting you inebriated that's you're not getting you're not getting totally drunk or anything when you're doing it but yeah. there is something there if if i have a concentrated shot concentrated shot of kava through this thing called chupa i definitely feel some kind of floaty light lightness come over me physically and mentally yeah yes it's really interesting stuff um now we've been following each other for a while now 
but we didn't really connect until fall fight club. Right. And you were, you were the only person who had the balls, the balls <laughs> to travel to Vegas, to watch it live. Uh, now I think you started following me first, but how did you find my stuff? Um, somewhere along the line, you know, I came across you because I've been following Michael Sartain and Rolo Tomasi for a long time. My cousin Johnny turned me on to Rolo's books, which I actually do think are exceptional. And so somewhere in that nexus of people doing their own thing, I came across you and I noticed one that your name was Paul and that you lived in Colorado. So that that was like, oh, OK, I'll check more into what that guy's doing. And it stands out a little bit that um you do have some followers and uh, people who are subscribing to you. So I take notice of that too. And I'm not, I mean, like, I think you're cool and everything, but I'm also someone, I just admittedly, I'm chasing clout. I want to get known by people as well, but I don't think I'm going to be authoring books like you guys are. Well, not with that, not with that kind of books No, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's oh, you know, I, I just realized this and I probably should have noticed this before, but, uh, in the background there, uh, people that, you know, listening on audio can't see, but on YouTube, you can see you've got the interview I did with, with Paul Benjamin, one of my interviews I did with Paul and we're oh, all three of us are named Paul in, yeah, that, in, in your, funny. in your thing there. That's funny. Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> no, no, that, that is completely coincidental. <laughs> yeah. That is funny. Yeah. So we got, we got, uh, yeah, all three, the three Pauls. That's hilarious. Okay. So, now we had some other people say that they would make the trip to Vegas and they yeah. all backed out last minute. What made you want to make the trip? Um, it was just time for me to get out of Dodge. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and when you said you were doing that, I thought that sounds like a fun thing to go and do. And I was grateful when you invited me down and I got to um, sit in there when you guys were doing a podcast recording and stuff. Because as you can see, I'm a total gear queer. I love gear and I love. So it was like, go to someone's podcast studio. Of course, I want to check that out. I like to see all of how people do it. I want to know all the gear they're using, the software they're using. That stuff is always of interest to me. Yeah, I that was the first time I'd ever been there, too, to uh, to Red One Studios. Mm. It, yeah. Pretty fascinating. That that set there that where the room where they film it, that you they used to film like porn on there. Yeah, stuff. I remember you saying that. Which is hilarious. And that makes me wonder, we should do um, a forensic sort of paranormal investigation <laughs> in there and with, see what with we black can lights up. and shit and see what comes yeah. up. Oh, right. The, the yucky stuff <laughs> on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so so let me ask you this. So we like we were all we were all really busy when we got there. And, and, and honestly, I mean, you as you can attest to because some of the text messages that I was sending you like, dude, I, they don't know what's going on. So it's a, we don't have a place. We don't know. You know, and, and you were like, I'm like, well, I'll keep you posted and keep you posted. Um, so a lot of that stuff like happened on the fly, like while I was there. Yeah. And uh, and so like, obviously, Glenn and I were really busy trying to prepare for it and get things set up and stuff like that. So you got there, I think, uh, you know, a couple of days before the event, like, what did you do in your spare time while you were waiting for us to say, Hey, show up at the studio? Huh. Well, it's Las Vegas. So there's shit to do there. Um, and so my sister was there with me at the same time for the first couple nights. And I went to a comedy show with her 
um, which was fun. And, uh, and she wanted to go to the, uh, what's the Italian place, the Venetian. And so we walked through there, which is kind of cool. It's like a clean Italy. And so I, it's just Vegas stuff. You know, I was, by the time I was done in Vegas, I was ready to leave Vegas. The day that this is true. Okay. The day that I was leaving you guys after I said goodbye, after you filmed your thing, um, I drove by Larry Flint's Hustlers Club. Mm. And so I literally did a U-turn on the road. I was like, well, okay, I drove by that. I might as well go check that out. And I went in there and did that. And that was kind of depressing just because I think stripper women are sad stories to me. And so I didn't exactly feel comfortable. I could see it in their eyes that they were tired and probably doing drugs often because there's this weary look they had. But in the physical surroundings were nice, but I'm not the type of guy who likes to go up and put my face in a woman's junk in a strip club. <laughs> so I sat there and I posted a clip online and I had a very good cheeseburger. The cheeseburger there was very good. So that's what I did in line. I, I had sort of a somber visit to the Larry Flint stripper club and, and it was philosophically interesting, I guess you could say. I, I've never been a fan, a big fan of strip clubs. I went a couple of times yeah. in, the, in my Navy days uh, and I was, I, I found them all to be very depressing, not necessarily because of the women uh, dancing on stage, but because of all the sad dudes that oh, go yeah. to strip clubs, you know? And, uh, but I'll tell you what, I, I do have a, a funny Navy story. I don't know if I've told this on the podcast. The, the funniest experience I ever had at a strip club was in Australia. I was on Westpac in, 2000 and um i went with my friend stallman and we were both married at the time so we were trying to we were keep keeping each other out of trouble and stuff like that huh. so we decided we were going to go to a strip club we go to the strip club called porkies it was in the king's cross area of of uh sydney which is like the red light district you know and you go there and there's this place called porkies it's a renovated movie theater and you go in there and they and they don't serve alcohol, but it's bring your own alcohol and it's right next to a liquor store. So we're like, oh, okay. So we went and grabbed like a 12 pack of beer, went into Porky's, sat down in the movie theater, oh. and there's all these, there's this chick on stage doing her thing. She pulls some dude up on stage, puts a dildo in his mouth, and starts oh, fucking, no. fucking the dildo on the stage in this dude's <laughs> mouth. I'm like, that is disgusting. Like, you know, and, and he just goes along with it. Oh like yeah. yeah. You're like her puppet. There's no way that I would do that. Like, no, no that's, freaking a, way. that's a hard pass. You don't, you, you like, she's probably got herp and shit. Like, I don't want all that in my fucking face. And, and then at the same time, there's like all, all the strippers when they're not stripping, they're walking around saying hey you want to go upstairs you want to go upstairs because it was also a brothel and oh, it was like okay. what the full fuck service. is going yeah it was a full service place it was crazy it was like what the fuck and there, the lady that like i distinctly remember this one lady came up she was clearly like late 40s heavy set just hit like huh. hit hit the wall hard you know and she's like you guys want to go upstairs and we're like what the fuck is upstairs yeah, <laughs> she, no. sex no that's a hard pass, lady. No, thank you. I've had very unattractive prostitutes proposition me, and I thought this is so ironic because even if you paid me a thousand dollars, I don't think I could get aroused by you. But you're up here trying to sell yourself to me, 
And there are some guys who want that. That yeah. I can't believe that there are some men who want to have these sad, lonely women. But and it is the guys I've seen in the strip clubs where I'm like, oh my god, the way he's up all close to her, and and then I think that's not me. But I'm here. You guys probably think that's me as a man, but that's not me. And I've <laughs> I've rarely, rarely gone to strip clubs, but just when I drive by Larry Flint's, I decided I'm going to go in there because I'm a grown up and I can do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> So, uh, so without getting any spoilers away, because at the time of this recording, Glenn still mm. hasn't finished fucking editing the goddamn okay. video. I wondered what the deal was with that. Yeah. So it, people are, are watching <laughs> You now. sound so happy. Well, it's annoying. You know, I love Glenn to death, but he he overcommits himself a lot. And so right, yeah, at the time of this recording, it's still November 20th. And the last time I reached out to him, which I think it was yesterday, I was like, dude, what, what's up with this? And he's like, uh, no, you know, I'm going to be going out of town for Thanksgiving, but I'm, I'm going to California. When I come back, should be done by then. So shit, by the time this drops, it should be out already, allegedly. <laughs> but but we'll see. We'll see. So let me ask you this. Without getting, giving any spoilers away, what did you like most about the match and what did you think was the dumbest thing about the match well i think i liked glenn's wife the most about the match because she's a pretty lady and um <laughs> she said some things that shout I, out to coco I was endearing uh, she was endearing herself to me with some of the things she said that i happen to agree with which are controversial topics that i won't bring up right now but i was like yeah cool whenever a beautiful woman has the right beliefs i take note of the beautiful woman with the right beliefs what were the controversial beliefs you can bring oh, it just it just had to do with lgbtq stuff like that oh okay yeah and i we was don't agreeing go with that yeah that's a controversial topic in the sense that if you if you have wrong think you can get busted off of youtube for that yeah can't have wrong think about the lgbtq or stuv community um <laughs> what what do you think was the the dumbest thing about the match? The dumbest thing about the match? I, I don't know. I wasn't thinking of it in those terms because it okay. was amusing. And um, <laughs> and I, I was actually taken back at the uh, the extent to which you were putting so much work and effort into this so that I actually do want to see the final recording considering I was there and stuff. So, um, All, yeah, I'm I hope there are... There are not glaring continuity issues uh, with people standing there suddenly and then not being there. That kind of thing might. I think there is. I think there's going to be. And, and Glenn was telling me about some of the stuff because uh, a part of the problems, and I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but part of the problem was, you know, when we got there, um, Glenn's like, by the way, the camera crew that I wanted to use for this, they all had other jobs. They can't do it. So, like, we have to figure something out for that. So, the guys that we had filming were um, uh, Kyle from uh, Miguel's brother from Dollar Cost Crypto, and then uh, a, a friend of ours named Mike Steele. Those guys aren't professional cameramen, but Glenn was—he was a pretty good director, and he was telling them like the kind mm. of shots he wanted, and they were doing their best. But Glenn was telling me that after the fact, going back and looking at some of this stuff, he's yeah. like, "Oh my god!" Like he—he's got to. He's got to do a lot of stuff in post to clean it up, to make it look presentable. Right. <laughs> I can imagine that. That was not an easy task you guys set, about, set uh, out upon doing yeah. that. It's definitely a challenge. It was a, it was fun, though. I, I uh, My thing about it is, like, I'm a pro wrestling nerd. So when Glenn came up with this idea of doing a pro wrestling skit, I was like, say less, bro. Like, say, where, where, when do you want me to go? Okay, I'll, I'll, totally, I'll totally talk shit for you, or a shit about you for three months. And... Huh. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll go and film this thing. So, um, is is pro wrestling something you normally watch, or was this your first sort of experience with it? Well, interestingly, the topic of wrestling, I've talked to my friend a lot who's heavily into it, and he he taught me a little about how even though wrestle pro wrestling is made up and they do these scripted things, they go to extraordinary lengths sometimes to be outrageous in the way they do this entertainment it, to the point where even if you say it's not real, they're hurting the shit out of themselves to make the entertainment so compelling the jumping off of things. And um, I don't know, throwing their own face on the mat to make it a good performance, whatever it is they're doing. So I, I have this appreciation for it as a performance art, if you know what I mean. So yeah. even you can say it's not real, but still make it outrageous and sensational. And it has some entertainment value to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, doing this, doing this, um, I, I knew how to fall safely because I was in martial arts for a long time growing up, mm. but uh, I'll tell you what, like when Glenn's big ass slams me on the mat, it fucking hurts, you know, and, it, yeah. and, the, and the, that particular mat was uh, a boxing ring. So it was right. like hard, like a desk. So I was being slammed on a literal flat, hard surface for an hour. We were there for like two hours filming. And now you told me you guys had another venue that they dropped out. So they dropped out on you because they didn't like your content or something. What was up with that? Yeah, it was Big Valley Wrestling. It's a small independent wrestling school out in Vegas. And and yeah, they uh they they were all about it. They were going to let us use their ring. They had a performance that Saturday. And so it was going to be a, you know, we were going to the first part was they were the first thing they told us was we were going to be able to film during the show with a live crowd. That would have been cool. Yes. Then, that would have elevated it massively. Yeah. Then they said, no, we can't do that because I'll interrupt the show because, you know, we've got to keep a show going and stuff like that. So then they said, well, you can come in like an hour before the gates open and film it in an empty arena. And it was like, huh. OK, well, that sucks, but whatever. Uh, but the, yeah, there's a difference between a pro wrestling ring, though, and a boxing ring and a pro wrestling ring has a little more give to it. They actually do have a layer mm -hmm. of padding over the board. So it I mean, it's still it's stiffer, but there's a little more give. So it's a little it's made to be slammed on, you know, whereas boxing is not there. You're not supposed to leave your feet in a boxing ring. So that was that was a big difference there. And, and it was really unfortunate that they they did that because then it was a matter of scrambling to try to find right. a place to do it. You know? Last minute. Yeah. But, you know, Glenn, man, Glenn, he can sell uh ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves. I swear to God. So like that week huh. he was like, OK, how do we do this? He called his connections up and, and you know, got it done. And so we ended up having the, the venue we had it in and it worked out, you know, as, as good as it could under the circumstances, I think. You got to roll with the punches whenever you're producing anything that happens in movies all the time when they're like, oh, we had these plans. What do we do now? You just got to pull a, a freaking bunny rabbit out of a hat on a moment's notice mm -hmm. to get what you want done. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and then going back to, you know, guys putting their, you know, their bodies on the line. Man, I was just watching a a, a pay-per-view a real pay-per-view uh an AEW pay-per-view and they had what's called like a, a a texas death match and this guy they had a they had a chair wrapped in barbed wire and this one guy went to go hit the guy on the back 
And one of the pieces of barbed wire went up and over his face and like caught him like uh. right under the eye. And he, he pulled back. He was like, went to go pull back to, to hit him again with the chair, but didn't realize he hooked the guy. And the guy was like, you know, got gouged in the face. Luckily he didn't lose an eye See, or anything. But... It's a dangerous performance art sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that kind of stuff, it's like, well, getting hit with barbed wire hurts, but it doesn't, te- you know, it doesn't really do permanent damage. Um, I mean, not, it's catastrophic permanent damage. As long a lot as it of, doesn't fish hook on your eyelid or something. Yeah, a lot of those guys. I mean, if you look at like uh, Dusty Rhodes, right before he passed away, he had like scars on his forehead from gigging himself. They used they 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 take blades and cut themselves, and they do that kind of stuff. Um, and so when they get older, they, a lot of those guys have wrinkly, scarred up foreheads because of all that kind of crap. You know that that's permanent damage, but it's also not like life threatening. So I don't know. How many years were you in the Navy for? I did four years in the Navy. Okay. Do you still get a lot of benefits from that service? <laughs> no. No, because uh, no, I, I wasn't, I didn't retire. So I, I just did my my four-year enlistment. Um, the, the biggest benefit I got out of that was I got my Montgomery GI Bill and used that to pay for my now ex-wife's oh. college. <laughs> wow. So uh, that was waste. But uh, huh. other than that, and I think when I get, when I die, I get a free burial plot at any uh, veteran cemetery huh. uh, in the country I want. So that's that's, that's not a- nothing, you know, like putting people to rest is way expensive. And so yeah. they, that's a benefit. Here's your coffin. And yeah. The spot. That's that's something. Yeah. That, so that's kind of nice. Um, I get, you know, as a veteran, I get, you know, uh, a veterans discount at the liquor store. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty oh, sweet. Oh, wow. that's pretty sweet gig um okay so on the way to vegas though you drove all the way from the eastern slope of colorado Mm -hmm. uh did you grow up in colorado yeah i grew up in north glen colorado for like the first 18 years of my life and then i went to fort collins to attend school for 10 years and that was really the golden age of my life in my opinion just having fun in the 90s was extraordinary And then um, I came back home here to Denver. I've also been out of the country a lot to Italy because my dad's an Italian immigrant. And so I've spent quite a bit of time in Italy. I've studied the language. And and so that's an extraordinary part of my life. Okay. Fort Collins. So you a CSU guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I, um, I grew up in Colorado too. I went to Evergreen high school. I I actually grew up in Conifer. I don't know if, if you've ever been up to Evergreen or Conifer area. But oh. uh, that's where I grew up, so it's cool. It's, it's it's good to know other other Colorado guys in this space. Um, let's see here. So so you've been here. You've been here your whole life. What do you think about the influx of Californians into this oh, into man. the state? Dude, uh, we're going down this path. Huh? Um, honestly, um, if they're coming here because they want to get away from crazy, that makes sense. But unfortunately, some of the people who leave California because it's becoming a, a sad, conquered shithole, they they come and they vote for the same policies that made California a shithole. So if you're going to come here, at least change your mind enough to vote for better policies, because if you're going to vote for the same shit, Colorado, I don't think, has a good future ahead of itself with the path we're going down. So especially since it seems to follow the trends in California, that's not what I want. 
Uh, and actually, I'm not entirely knocking on California. I have a huge love for it in terms of the overall cultural Americana. I don't want California to be wiped out and screwed up, but unfortunately, that's what their leadership does there. I don't like ever say Gavin Newsom without saying he's the destroyer of California. I mean, mm -hmm. so I don't know. I don't I don't know if I answered your question, but I don't think uh, Colorado that it follows California and a lot of the stupid things California does. It does not bode well for the future of Colorado. No, I agree. When I grew up now, it sounds to me like you're, you're pretty libertarian. Is that safe to say? Well, I, I would say uh, I'm independent and um, I have certain beliefs that are very socially liberal, but I also um, there's also a streak of conservatism in me. I don't want to just um, destroy everything old. I, I think tradition is good in a lot of ways, and that includes Judeo-Christian society, I think, is the basis upon which Western society became magnificent. And so I don't want to... Um, disparage either of those things at all. I think they're the two bedrocks of what made Western society great in the first place. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I, I, I say this is just uh, like when I was a kid uh, and how old are you? I'm 50. You are not. Yeah. I just turned 50 in October, but I'm glad by your reaction. Most people don't really believe that I'm as old as I am. And I love feeling young. I love looking young. Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't look 50. So when we were kids growing up in Colorado, Colorado was very, like, I would say it was a lot more conservative than it is now. Yeah. And just steadily throughout the course of my lifetime, there was, just, there's just been an influx of Californians and it's yeah. always been a problem and everyone's bitched about it. Uh, and now I, it's like Colorado is California light. I, it, mm -hmm. we are definitely a, you know, we, we're not even a purple state anymore. We're like a total blue state now. It's really sad, you know? I um, agree. I mean, we're going down that liberal rabbit hole that, that really threatens to destroy Colorado. The homelessness has been a problem for a long time, and I don't think they address any of that stuff um, honestly really wanting to solve it. I think they're just creating a problem so they can exploit a problem to consolidate more power with what they're doing. I, I don't like the governor. There's a lot about Colorado. I don't like right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Same. I, I will say though, when Politically. I moved, yeah. When I moved back here, I moved back here in 2013. I did. It did seem like I was a political refugee. Cause I, cause I lived in California for a long time. So I grew up here, left for the Navy, ended up in California for like 15 years, moved back here. And I was like, it, it, it was like I was defecting from Russia, you know? Right. And then like one of the first things I did was got my concealed carry permit just because I could, you know? <laughs> and I, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, one thing I will say though, is I, I, I do like the Western slope much better than the Eastern slope. There's huh. less, there's, I mean, it's more wide open out here. More conservative out there. I would think it's more Grand conservative. Junction. It's more conservative, but I mean, great. Even Grand Junction, Grand Junction's got a huge pocket of LGBTQRS people, and they have shitty policies um, that that they're finally clamping down on. They're finally taking back some things. Like for instance, we have, there's like a park down there, right right across, literally right across the street from the Grand Junction Police Department. That it's basically everyone calls it Bum Park because all the bums just you know That's congregate. 
Yeah. And so they were, the, the city was going to implement a policy saying, Hey, no, no, no more bums, no more tents, you know, none of this type stuff. And all the liberals came in saying, well, they have a human right. And so it was like, they were, the, the liberals were making it into the shithole because they're allowing this to happen. They were enabling these mm -hmm. people instead of giving them, uh, you know, a hand up. They're giving up. They're basically enabling their bullshit. And finally, they're they're clamping down. They they close that park to all the homeless people. It's like, hey, you could you don't have to, you know, you find a place to go, but you can't be here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and, it's, and like, it's not that I'm not compassionate toward people who are uh, down on their luck. I really do care about people, and I want to see them climb out of those circumstances. But I see there's a deliberate agenda to enable these serious problems on purpose. I don't think they're trying to solve the problems. I think they're trying to deliberately make it worse. I, I mean, since the lockdown, I've been saying um, we're in a country, we're in a country in the, and we are in the process of being conquered. And I honestly see that as like that's the goal and they're just doing it a tiny bit at a time it's the tiptoe of tyranny dystopian society i i actually am pretty uh down on um government and stuff because i think there's literally an agenda to destroy itself and to ruin our lives and they're just yeah. taking the slow march toward that but i i know that sounds like conspiracy theorist or whatever but that's just what i observe happening and so oh, I say, yeah that's, that's what's kind of this kind of stuff's definitely observable. Yeah, I so I I used to be a lot more compassionate with with homeless people uh, until I I became a security guard, and then and then I I was like throwing I had to kick like homeless people off my property all the time, the properties that I would work, huh. um, and I realized like the homeless people just have no consideration for other people's shit, and that was one thing. And then two, I ended up working for this company who uh, every year they did a fundraiser for this, uh, for Habitat for Humanity and Habitat for Humanity came into our office to give some kind of rah-rah speech about, you know, fundraising. And one of the things that the guy brought up was that something like 98 point whatever percent of, of all homeless people are there by choice. They're called chronically yeah. homeless. And it's because they, they don't want any responsibility. They don't want, you know, they, they want to be live off the grid. And so they're there by choice. And so they're just happy to take all these handouts and, and you know, these, these stupid policies that let them shit mm -hmm. in the streets. And, um, and it, like, they have no want to, they're not down on their luck. Basically they want to be there and it's like, okay, well, fuck you then, you know, <laughs> Uh, so. I don't have much sympathy for them, but certainly there are people who are there because of uh, either like drug addiction or mental illness, and they deserve yeah. a hand up somehow. But like people just um, taking advantage of a system like that, I'm not I'm not too sympathetic toward them. But I am someone who wants to feed someone who's seriously wanting to eat for the day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think help yeah. people out in that way. Yeah, there is something to be said about something like that, like uh, donating your time at a, like a soup kitchen or something like that. That mm -hmm. that that tends to warm the cockles a little, <laughs> a little bit. You're not the hottest women there doing that, I don't think. No, no, the no. Top no. ten women, top tier women are not at the soup kitchens, handing out yummy stuff to the homeless. No, no, they're not. They got better shit to do, I guess. <laughs>
So last question here, and then we can wrap up. Um, and I think you already answered this a little bit. So you, you follow me in the red pill space. You said you've read yeah. Rolo's books. You follow Mike Sertain. Yeah. Do you follow anyone else in this space? Um, I also follow Ryan Stone. And if someone spent a lot of time watching me the last year, they would see me goofing around on Rolo and Michael Sartain and um, and Ryan Stone quite a bit. I just feel like it. You know what I mean? Why the heck not? I call Ryan Stone or no, I call Rolo and uh, Michael the TRT bros because I know they're taking testosterone. And I just like to goof on that for the hell of it. Actually, it worries me that they do that. I realize I hear all the benefits they talk about testosterone and whatnot, but I'm like, I hope they don't have a heart attack or something. And I'm not trying to be morbid. I just think it, I don't think it's all good. Just taking not, that into your system. Do you do that? I do, I, I'm on TRT. It's not you the are. same as steroids. You know, and how do you, uh, you, you, um, are an advocate of that. You're a proponent of that. You think oh it's yeah. A thing yeah. I was a little nervous about it myself. Um, I read, I read Richard Cooper's book, uh, the unplugged alpha, and he, he's a, he's a big proponent of it. And he talks about the benefits mm -hmm. of it. And, and I'm still like, ah, I, you know, I'd much rather try to, you know, boost testosterone naturally with supplements right. and all this stuff. And then I ended up, uh, talking with RP Thor about it. And Thor, man, Thor, no one's more knowledgeable about it than Thor is. And if you like really want to have a conversation with someone, uh, I highly recommend people talk to Thor about it. But after that conversation, I was like, let me go get my blood tested, see where I'm at. And mm. I actually had low T because um, it happened right after I was training for my tough mutter. But I went I went on the carnivore diet and the carnivore diet just really caused my T levels to crash. Uh to, oh. down to like below 300 isn't so, that what jordan peterson's daughter advocates for is the yeah you were just only eating meat that's i was eating meat i was eating diet. meat and yeah. eggs yeah like basically meat oh, and eggs. Wow. yeah and, and and there's some people that are like oh well you're just doing it wrong you know you need to eat more liver because there's you know essential you know stuff and i'm like i'm not gonna eat fucking liver so anyway i ended up it ended up being like a severe mineral deficiency and it caused my T levels to crash. And yeah. so my, so I, I ended up really thinking about it going, man, I'm already spending all this money on supplements. Why don't I just buy the shit? And so TRT is actually the, the actual human hormone that you produce. So it's, yeah. it's not, it's not the same as uh, steroids. It's, it's not the same. Hmm. And so it makes you feel more energetic and, and what about your, your uh, sex drive does that like oh, yeah. amplify it or something it makes everything better it's like i have less brain fog i'm more energetic uh i can i can push myself harder in the gym um i want to fuck and, all, and all those things are uh they're good to like sell me on the idea yeah. i just i have this fear like it's gonna make me have a heart attack or something i don't know yeah that's that's not even a problem with with trt uh that is something like, you know, people have heart attacks when they're taking shit like Trembolone and, you know, uh, D-Bowl and, all, you know, all those types of anabolic mm. steroids. But TRT is a natural occurring, you know, uh, hormone in your body anyway. So, yeah, it's, it's not the same. It's a little bit different. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing all that that crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not trying to be like, you know, fucking Mr. T or something, you know. So, so I will just say, um. I read four out of five of Rolo's books, and I really do think that 
the information is incredibly valuable, what it can do for you, especially young guys. Like I hear young guys whining about women and I'm like, read this book, dude. Because mm-hmm. like, I really think the information, if it empowers you and you feel less vulnerable around women, it's it's only like you can only win from reading it. And, mm-hmm. and I just think it's ridiculous. If anyone thinks it's like misogynistic or something, that's not the point about it at all. It just empowers men to be better, stronger men, to vet women better. There's so much in his philosophy that I think he articulated in a way and he might have repackaged it from some people before, but he made it contemporary for people, a good sort of uh, Bible of men's issues in this day and age, the talking about intersexual dynamics and stuff. It's highly valuable information. Mm-hmm. And I go back to, um, I have a, what's his name? Mysteries TV show, The Pickup Artist. I have the second season of that. And I've I've observed these methods people use when you're picking up women and stuff. And it is real useful stuff if you know how to make use of it. I mean, you still have to be growing and becoming a better person yourself because, yeah, you can figure out how to hook up with a woman. But if you're still the same jackass, uh, not growing, immature, whatever, you're not going to succeed or get into a good relationship from that. But you can learn how to screw women. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's a skill set. Which uh, which book haven't you read of his? The very last one, the fifth one, which I think is more the game one, right? Like uh, the player's handbook. I actually yeah. like that. That was probably my favorite one. Honestly. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. plan to read it. It's just I haven't read it just because yet. I, I want to read Ryan Stone's books as well. And I goof on Ryan more because he says a lot of dumbass shit on on Twitter that is really funny. But sometimes I'm just like, oh, my God, really, dude? Like, well, he does that because that's t- his top of the funnel. He's just out there, just you know, waving flags to get people to notice yeah. him, and and uh, and then he does amuse me. I'm not saying he yeah. doesn't amuse me, and his he has a good sense of humor, and and I would be a total shithead if I were sitting here saying he's an idiot or something because I behave like a jackass on purpose. It's like my purpose to re- d- behave ridiculously, and so I can't really knock him too hard, but. Like my cousin says, give these guys black eyes just for the hell of it. I'm trying to get noticed. Mm-hmm. And, and I like them on a personal level. I really do. But I might as well bust some balls, too. It's no fun in life if you don't bust some balls. Yeah. Ryan and Roller, those, those guys, though, um, I, was, I was talking to someone else about this. Uh, those guys, if you, like, bust their balls too much, what they end up doing is either blocking you or right. they or they put you on mute so they don't even see your right. shit anymore so then it's like well what's the purpose then um but i don't want to be overly rude but I, yeah cleverly rude i guess you know what i mean um yeah i'm not i don't want to piss them off but and i think they're totally man enough to take out take what i'm dishing out to them you know what I they mean? are they yeah they are um but yeah R- yeah ryan ryan's man ryan's book have you read you said you haven't read his book? No, I plan on it. My cousin read it, and it's another one he recommended to me. So I, I plan on it. It's in my queue of things for sure. So his first book, it's kind Fuck of it's Files. Fuck Files is, is fun. It's a fun book. It's uh it's almost autobiographical. But this one, this one, and then his his uh latest one um at the time of this recording is going to be dropping. But by the time this comes out, it's mm. already gonna be out. It's it's so this one's on frame, the next one's on dread game, which is uh I'm looking forward to that one. I, I'm actually, I, I'm not just like a rule zero guy. I'm actually like a fan of all the guys. So <laughs> I'm like excited when I, whenever they drop new shit, I'm like, Oh, 
What What do you think of uh, of what do you call it? Uh, oh man, the guys from Florida. How could I be forgetting their name? Oh, Fresh and Fit. Yeah. What What about them getting demonetized? Do you think? Do you have any opinion on that? Well, it was just a matter of time. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know those guys on a personal level, um, but I know like you know a lot of their stuff is really just. It's like it's very Jerry Springer esque, you know. And I'm not yeah. to, not try, necessarily trying to shit on what they what they're doing out there, but um, it's very Jerry Springer esque. And I do think a lot of what they do gives Red Pill a bad name. Yeah, because it's because Red Pill, mm. like people have this concept that it's about hating women, it's about holding women accountable. Yeah, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's about it's about male sexual strategy and positive male identity. Like that's it. That's really what it's about. But but people see that they see Pearl, they see Andrew Tate and they're like, Oh, it's about shitting on oh, women. Pearl. I got opinions about Pearl. Don't get me started, <laughs> man. I hear she, she's, I hear she's, she's a nice girl. I hear she's a nice girl. I think she says a lot of insightful things, but I also hear her purposefully indulging in stupid shit for clout. And it's just like, Oh, give me a break, please. Yeah. Oh no, she, she definitely does that. And I think she would admit for, to that, man. Uh, man, this has been a really fun conversation. Let me, bring uh bring this back up here where where can people find you online paul where people can find me is on youtube uh my handle is copy who tv all one okay. word all right well i'll be sure to link to that in the description cool. paul thank i appreciate you, for... you inviting me on i i was very happy when you followed me as well because i'm just trying to build something and no one's really watching but i still have fun doing it so i appreciate it yeah, no, I appreciate. It. Well, I appreciate you come all the way out to Vegas, and uh, you're a good dude. I like talking. Like, I I don't always like to talk just about you know getting the girls and and huh. making money and shit. Like sometimes yeah. I just like talking to other guys and just having a fun conversation with with interesting cats. So, sure. uh, really appreciate you coming back, coming on, man. I, um, you're welcome back anytime. Very good. I appreciate it, Paul. Thank you. Hey, Paul, thanks for joining me, man. You're welcome back anytime. Interesting conversation. You're a fascinating cat. One of these days, I got to drive over to the front range and we got to do a uh, a live episode or at least a pre-recorded episode of Copy Who uh, on your turf, man. You made it all the way to Vegas. I At least I could do is make it over the, over the mountains to go hang out with you. He lives over on the Denver side of the, uh, the Rocky Mountains. All right, guys, that's all I got this episode. I hope you guys had a, uh, a safe New Year's Eve yesterday. Be sure to like, subscribe, hit those notifications if you haven't done so already. Thanks to everybody that sounded off in the comments. Uh, if you guys haven't yet, drop a drop an emoji right now. doesn't really matter what it is. Guys, follow me on social media. The links are in the description. Join the email list, guys, list.comeonmanpod.com. I'll send you some free stickers. You get... 20 dating app openers, and you also get a free chapter of my book, Everything I Wish I Knew When I Was 18. All right. Speaking of the book, get the book on Amazon. If you go to books.comeonmanpod.com, it'll take you to my author's page. You can get uh, the paperback, the hardcover, the special edition, the Kindle edition, or the Audible edition. They're all available right there. And check out the Practical Law of Attraction course, loa.comeonmanpod.com. It's a mindset course, and once you get your mind right, Everything else tends to fall in place in life. Join the beer club, guys. Beer.comeonmanpod.com. It's uh, it's a men's club. And this Sunday, Eric Everhart is giving a free lecture on how to do the sex. So check that out. It's only 10 bucks a month for that. And then coaching is available at gumroad.comeonmanpod.com. That's all I got this episode, guys. We will see you Wednesday for the live stream. Peace.
This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.